A Little Hood with Southern Charm. That's where we're discussing this week on The Devil is a Lie. The Devil is a Lie. Here's your host, Angel Nicole. The Devil is a Lie. Drugs, shootouts, alcohol, and sex are almost inevitable when you live life in the fast lane. Everyon Holman, or Lil Hood as he's affectionately known in the streets, knows this life all too well. He left his hometown of East St. Louis to escape the infested streets of violence to pursue his passion for music in the South. In 2016, he got caught up in a situation with rapper Mystical that landed him behind bars for two years for a crime he was eventually released due to a lack of evidence. Today, we're discussing Not Guilty, the autobiography of Little Hood. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, and I feel like I'd be remiss not to start the show off discussing the most recent news uh, about your boy Mystical being arrested for rake accusations. Talk to right. me about what it is that you know about this situation, if you know anything at all. I really don't know too much about it. I know it was supposed to be somebody like close to him, maybe a baby mother or something like that. But honestly, I don't really know too much about it. I just pray he come out and he be straight, you know, if if, if he ain't did nothing wrong. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Now, in 2016, you mm-hmm. and Mystical were accused of rape. Right. You were later let off. And there were a lot of, like, weird things that you talk about in your book like mystical running naked what talk to us about what that situation was like how did that come to happen drugs you know sometimes people just can't handle their drugs so you know sometimes drugs some drugs make you get naked and do crazy stuff (laughs) if if you if, if drugs can make you do crazy things do you think that mystical is capable of rape nah not me personally Based on me knowing him and knowing who he is, being being with him, living with him for six months, we've been together. Like, nah, I don't see it. You know, even even on the drugs, because I was the one that was stopping him from from just embarrassing himself. He he probably embarrassed himself. He probably do this. He probably do anything crazy, whatever. But he ain't gonna rape nobody. So I don't. I like I said, I'm not trying to be a mockery to whoever is uh, accusing him at e- either, because I don't know that situation. So I don't want to put it like, I'm just basically saying, nah, he ain't do this to that person. Nah, I ain't doing that. What I'm saying is in my situation, if I'm hiding on, that ain't what he on. To even take this a little step further and even looking at you, right? And Mystical, because he would hire prostitutes. Right. He would, you know, this was his thing, like, you know, where he liked to be with women um, that he would, and he would pay for it. So. If he didn't have to pay for it and he didn't have to go that route, why pay for prostitutes? Like, what do men get out of that lifestyle? Straight to the point. You're going to pay anyway. No matter if you marry a woman and some alimony, some go or whatever, no matter what it is. It's just, you know, it's just the thrill of just saying, hey, I want this person. Because everybody's first intention ain't just, hey, this is my wife there. I want to marry her. No. When a person sees somebody, she come in there dressed nice. It's, man, damn, she thick. I want to fuck her. You see what I'm saying? So, so to get straight to the point, it's like, what, what, what do I have to do to fuck you at the end of the day? Do I got to take you on a date? Do I got to play this womanizing role? Hey, baby, you know, you mean the world to me. God was in a good mood when he made you because you beautiful. Do I got to do all this or do I just got to say, man, you finna take this two, 
two hundred dollars. We finna do what we do. Everything consensual. And if I come back in town, it is what it is. You see what I'm saying? And that's and and that's how y'all think of it. Like literally that point and dry. I think it like this. If you if you think of it like that and you know it can happen like that, then why you gotta take it? Facts. Why you gotta take it? It's, it's there. It's there and it's and it's everywhere. In any form of fashion, you gonna you gonna pay. Cause we men. Men gonna pay you. Nah, baby, put your little pouch up. We got you. You see what I'm saying? You're gonna pay in any way, anyway. So it's just like the about getting straight to the point. That's why men do that. Right. So what would you say? Cause I'm gonna put you in the daddy seat. And I'm a flip rose because you have done the pimping. You have done the looking out for your dudes that, you know, you hanging out with and them and they women. Mm. What would you say to women who, like you're, you're saying, is being introduced to this way of thinking that men have in regards to, like, protecting themselves and not falling prey or victim to exactly what you just said, the... Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to sell you these false hopes, these, you know, I'm going to say what you want me to say so I can get what it is that I want out of this particular situation because I want to hold on to you. For the most part, they be wanting something, though. You see what I'm saying? So it'd be like, it'd be like the men be the licks. That's what they call them, licks. Wait, wait, wait. What's, what's licks? licks? You got to break that Think down for somebody me. who a sucker. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You got us together. You you getting something. You benefiting. You the beneficiary. You see what I'm saying? So it's really not like just men just out here preying on women like, oh, I just want to fuck her, so I'm going to feed her this story. Nah, they out here praying too. That's why they wear what they wear and they do what they do. You see what I'm saying? Not 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 all women. Of course not. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of respectful women out there, and they have their own way of fishing too. You see what I'm saying? It just ain't. Mm-hmm. Working and doing, you know, what other women do. And there's nothing wrong with what you do. You see what I'm saying? It's just respect yourself at the end of the day. That's how I look at it. No matter if you're in business with somebody, with with y'all got to understand the situation. Just don't say a person did something to you because you didn't, you didn't said you this type of person and people find out you lying. That's wrong. Right. Because it's real victims right. out there that got really raped, like held down from their daddies, from, from people they didn't let their moms and uh, brothers or people who they moms, friends, just anything. You see what I'm saying? So it's it's real victims out there. So people who lie on individuals who get those type of charges, that's like been a mockery to them, like to the actual victims. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's just like men fish, women fish. Am I, did I say something wrong? No, but I'm, no, no, no. I'm actually speaking from the perspective of the men who do that. Okay. The men, okay, the men that do it, why do they do it? That's what I'm asking you. So why do you think they do it? Because it's something that they want. Yeah. And they don't want somebody else to have it, so they want to sell you these false dreams, and they think you just going to go for it. And half the time, they're still out in the streets doing what they want to do, but they want you to stay committed and wholesome for them. Well, that, that's different. If y'all married, that's wrong. If, if y'all, if, you ain't got to be married, and that's the expectation if you're in a committed relationship. I just feel like this. If you're in a relationship and... And you out here doing what you're doing, like, on that level for what you're saying, like, out here on some womanizer stuff. Yeah, that's different. That ain't what I'm speaking on. I'm just speaking on straight fishermen and fisherwomen. It's women that come out there because they know they can get something from a man. And it's men that come out there because they can they know they can get something from a woman. If a woman respects herself, ain't she going to be able to identify that. You see what I'm saying? She's going to be able to identify when somebody's just trying to get something from her. 
So everybody just ain't victimized to that point. It, it's you, you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> people, people know what they doing when they doing it. You know, at the end of the day, you know who you dealing with. Ask questions if you don't. And sometimes, sometimes you only gotta ask a question. It's, it's right in your face. Facts. Yeah. Facts. So everybody listening, if this is your truth and you've been looking for that moment of like clarification or somebody to tap you and be like, "Look, this ain't what you think it is." Consider this that uh, that tap on the shoulders. <laughs> that was real. I like that though. That was real. All right, now. That we've got that out the way, we and tackled that. Um, let's dial back to your teenage years. Uh, growing right. up in East East St. Louis, right. what was it like? And and what was it about rapping that was kind of like your outlet and the thing that you grew to love about it? Just the lack of not, you know, being able to do anything else. Like you ain't good at a lot of things out there. Like there's nothing there. So really basketball you limited to things like you know playing basketball just the normal so it was like with me as far as the rap go it was my brother's dream and i seen all the, the good things that it brought to us his way and i wanted it i was like wow you know I, I i maybe i got somebody that i can emulate and you know i like what he had going on so i wanted to rock with that too we gone fast forward because i feel like in your teenage years you went through a lot. Um, I mm. think there was a lot of, I'm not going to say trying to fit in, but mm. adapting to your environment. Um, exactly. So that re- that entailed like a life of crime, drugs, violence. And it seemed like while it was something that you were trying to escape when mm. you moved to Texas in high school, it was still something that stuck with you and followed you wherever it was that you went. So what do you think attracted you to living that lifestyle? What attracted me was just, like I said, no choice, nothing else. I mean, everything was limited out there. We didn't have no type of, I, even our park, if you go to our park, it's nothing there. It, no, we don't got no swings you can get on. We, we use swings to, to rip down the chain. So whenever the little boys from the next neighborhood come over there, we got some form. You see what I'm saying? So we ain't have a, a, a regular park. We ain't have a regular nothing. The only thing we had was a store, and we used to call it the Candy Lady. But he wasn't even the lady. We called him Lutel, R.P. the Lutel. But he was, that was the only store out there. And right on the side of his store, you will see about 30 to 40 people, and they're out there selling crack all day. So that's all we had was the store. And, so and, for and people who don't understand that, right? So right. I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. That uh-huh. wasn't my that wasn't my world. Like I grew up in the mm-hmm. suburbs. I grew up, you know, where that's hard. I mean, it's not hard for me to imagine somebody dealing with. But how would you help somebody understand that? Like, because for me, I'm like, oh, well, you could have went to the rec center. Or you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah. you know what I mean. So, like, <laughs> how you just do gotta you... go there? You gotta you gotta care for somebody that's there. I mean, I ain't talking about like a cousin or. I'm talking about you got to actually go out there and, and, and visit it and see it and spend some time out there. Not no one day and tomorrow you can go back to your regular life. You got to be visiting somebody out there and understanding what they're going through every day because it's terrible. Somebody that's going to be honest with you because, you know, a lot of people who do struggle, they still act like they good and they life straight, you know. But Or, as or far that's as the way it, of life. It, it really ain't no way to really feeling and understanding it to its fullest extent if you've never lived it. Now I can't mm-hmm. understand another person like who who didn't wasn't raised like that. 
You see, yeah. so it's like it's just something that just can't happen. It's just unfortunate. The only thing you can do is just give a person a chance to, like we doing right now, to be able to explain. You just take what you can from it and try your best to. I I can't. I don't know what I can do to help somebody understand something that they ain't go through. Now, one of the things that I thought was like unfortunate, and you know, when I thought about it, it was like, yo, this is something. That's not just happening in St. Louis. I'm originally from Detroit. So in Detroit, these things are happening too in D.C. and, you know, major cities. So when I'm reading about how as a teenager, y'all are having shootouts, like shootouts, full-fledged shootouts. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Like to be where you are today, do you ever look back and reflect on those moments and say, yo, how did I get out? What was it about me Always. that allowed me to make it? Always, especially whenever it's somebody who died as close to me and they don't even be that type of person. And I'd be like, hold on now. I know what type of person I was. You know, I, I wasn't the worst and I wasn't the best. But mm-hmm. him, this person or this person, like, hi, what, what is it about me that's, that's so fortunate? And I just came to a conclusion to say that my story just ain't up yet. My time just ain't up yet. Everybody got their time. Everybody put in your life for a certain amount of time to be a, maybe be a blessing to you or whatever the case may be. It's just my time ain't done. That God ain't done with me. So until he's done with me, I'm just going to keep living and I can't worry about who ain't live or who all I know is he ain't done with me, you know? So would you call yourself like a spiritual person? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what do you think your purpose for being here on earth is like have you identified it and if you have like what is it especially if you feel like you're not done yet i remember when i was younger i I, I never forget this moment i remember i was younger we was it was we was in granite city illinois i was with my mom and her friend actually we was on a church van because you Mm -hmm. know we we couldn't afford the we ain't had no car to get the church so they send a church van out to get you but we Mm -hmm. ended up stopping by mcdonald's and I remember this lady, she was sitting at McDonald's and she just running up to me, blowing kisses. And I got scared. I ain't know what she was on. So, you know, I kind of like fell back from her and kind of ran off. So, you know, my parents too, like, what are you blowing kisses? So when they questioned her, she was supposed to be some sort of evangelist or prophet or whatever like that. And she said she just wanted to tell me that no matter what I go through in life, that one day I was going to lead nations. And I always believed her. I always believed her for sure. So you kind of held on to that. I held on to it. I wish I, w- I wish I could have heard it from her though. And that's me by problem even to this day. I run from my blessing. My blessing will be right there when it be coming my way and it's just like I'd be afraid to face it. Like, nah, I don't want to see it right now. I don't, you see what I'm saying? That's the same thing I did with her. I was afraid. I, I, I misinterpreted what, what she was doing because I wasn't thinking from a spiritual standpoint. I was too young, but it stuck with me and guess what? It evolved at the right time. I'm here for it. All right. Now, at some point, you learned that you had a knack for <laughs> a certain lifestyle, <laughs> a, what um, a certain lifestyle of like yeah. managing women. Oh, yes, ma'am. And so in reading this and the love that you have for like your daughters, mm. how could you take up an occupation of pimping, but then have so much love for your girls? Lack of, par- lack of knowledge, you perish. I just wasn't thinking like that. When you're in the streets and you live in this certain lifestyle, it ain't about who, if I could be, I could have a seven-year-old child, right? And you could have a seven-year-old child. 
I serve your seven-year-old child if it's going to feed my seven-year-old child. You see what I'm saying? And I really? hate to say it like that, but it's cold. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's cold yeah. like that. And if, if you don't got a mindset like that, you're going to get ate up. You're going to get ate up every time. You ain't no feelings. and ain't no emotional thinking or nothing when it comes to the streets. It's like this. I'm for me. I'm for my family. And that's what it is. Everything else don't even matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say it like that, but it's true. For those who are tuned in, we're talking about Lil Hood's book, Not Guilty. In the book, you talk about, you know, at one point in time, like not really having money and not caring about who you robbed, why you was robbing, but you was like, you were not going to go without. So how do you... How do you develop that mentality? Is it just doggy dog? Like, I got to do nah. what I got to do to survive? Like, what is it? No, nah, it, it's definitely a, a, a you got to learn it. It ain't just going to, it ain't sometimes, a lot of people say, oh, I was just born. Like, no, you wasn't. Something happened to you and it made you cold like that to the point where you probably was out here and you wanted to emulate somebody who was winning. But when some something real happened to you, that's when you realize, hey, I can't be like this no more. It used to be a lot of individuals around me who didn't even carry guns. Mm-hmm. And and they knew what type of stuff we was in. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you got ten, fifteen thousand on you and you ain't got a gun on you, and I got one on me and I got five dollars. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You think we're going to Remember it's a disclaimer. Let's let's talk about the disclaimer on the book too. Okay, let's go ahead, read that disclaimer. Hold on, let me get to it real quick. It say the information contained in this book is based on true events and portrays the author's personal life experience, although some information were gathered from published news articles and others fictionalized. So remember, take in mind that fictionalized. Yeah? Yes, but fictionalized is cool. And I know you got your people there making sure you don't say too much. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the uh <laughs> <laughs> the mentorship during no, the see what it was. They, 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 they t- I told them where you was from. They like what? Oh yeah, uh huh. It's real down there. So guess where what? I'm we from. gotta be on our top. Nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> DC, right? DC, right? Well, I'm in DC now, but I'm originally. I just oh. said I'm from Detroit originally. Oh okay, originally. Oh, that's even worse. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, so. Whatever. <laughs> All right. One point in the book. You talk about falling for the girl that was your best friend's girl. And y'all got together right after he died. Oh, yeah. Let, let's talk about that. I was I can cuss on her, right? Hmm? I was a pure fuck nigga for that. I was a pure fuck nigga, though. You know, I thought, I, I really didn't think I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a pure fuck nigga for it, though. Like, did you ever have remorse for it? Or was it just kind of like, like, I just, um, I'm just curious to get in. No, I mean, I ain't, yeah, I had some remorse for it a lot. Because I thought, you know, I was betraying them on that situation. Is you that know, the yeah. girl that you had the kids with? The, the two nah, girls? Okay. Nah, that was. It was so it many. Was I was like, yo, I'm trying to remember the girls' <laughs> names. I was like, yo, he was out here. <laughs> But Getting you know one in. thing, I, I was being honest though. I was being honest. I was just being honest. I'm not a book. I'm not a real book writer or anything. I just wrote what what, what I knew and let it flow. Yeah, you know, and so and I, I will say honest. it was very eloquently written, and yeah. so it was a very easy read. Um, mm-hmm. 
And because you kind of wanted to know, like, okay, well, what ended up with this person? What ended up with this situation? It was definitely mm-hmm. a page turner because it was like it was so much. And even right. when I talked to you earlier, it's like, yo, you've had such a how old are you now? 31. Yeah, like you've had a full life. <laughs> right. Yeah. You've done <laughs> and been some of everywhere and done, right. you know, a lot. Um absolutely right. Now, you admitted that that was, like, a horrible thing that you did. It was. I was a pure fuck nigga for that. Because I ain't even mean her no good intentions, for real, for real. We was just kids. Yeah, you she just... And she definitely ain't mean me none. <laughs> and you ain't really care about anybody but a womanizer. Mm-hmm. And how some men... We're not even just going to talk about you. I'm going to get to you in a minute. We're going we're gonna to mm-hmm. speak in general right now. How some men just look at women as objects and really felt like they just, they're sex toys and they, they, you know, throw them because in and out of their lives. It's, it's flaunted. That's what we taught. That's what we taught as children is what, what, what cool is. So, I mean, if we young, it's like, that's what we, that's, that's all we see. That's all we know. That's who the kid, the cool kids is the person who get all the girls. And then you, I mean, so, you know, it started as a child versus what y'all, y'all manifest when y'all little, y'all playing with Barbie dolls. You got a girl boy, you got the whole, you playing house. We over there, we got the Hulk. So we not talk, we talk different. We we all the way different. So y'all role in our life is so important to to remind us who we truly are because we lost ourselves. We lost our true identity. This is just, this the westernized version of who we are, you see? Yeah. Being a player, being a we respect y'all. Y'all first in our life. That's what women, that's what black women is. That's what women is. Period. You know, but preferably where do we black see women. That? Where, where do we huh? see that in? Where do we see that in your life? Your first twenty. But, but see, years? I was a I was a victim of the lack of knowledge that I was telling you about. I was that's why I'm able to speak on it. Mm-hmm. My mom always told me this because I didn't have a daddy, so I just want to speak on what my mama told me. She says, "If you ain't never been through nothing, you can't tell nobody nothing." So don't ever, ever, ever try to close out your adversary. When your adversary come your way, you invite it in. Come on, face it. Right, right. And I knew because she knew she knew what what it was what, what was going to happen to me as a young black boy, and, and I was a little handsome little boy. She knew what was going to happen. Eventually, I was going to get caught up in something. I didn't. I wasn't raised with a father. She knew eventually I was going to get caught up into this way of teaching. Of we supposed to be players. We supposed to have all the girls. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it's sad, but that's just what it is. That's what's cool. Then when you think about the getting money part, most of us, we rapping, we doing all this, and what we doing, we, we, we flaunt it. So women, they dress in a certain way, you know. You can't even wear a dress no more. You can't even you can't even be free with your own sexuality no more because it's a lust thing everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, what helped you shift? Um, yeah. Well, well, wait. I want to. It's three things. I want to know what made you shift your way of thinking to see love, accept it, and want it for yourself. Mm. I say, I say, I say. I don't know, cause I, I always been that person. It's, it's naturally instilled with us, so it, it, it be there anyway, and it just be something that you see that'll take you from even that way of thinking. So it's like, I don't know. I think I got serious with, with even going that way and serious about life and serious about just being out here for my children and everything is when I went to jail. And I hate to say it like that, but it's true. 
You know, when I went to jail, it just everything changed. It's like I give up. I just like I'm tired. I don't want to be this person no more. You know, I start. I had a lot of time to really identify who I am, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be this person no more. I don't. I had a lot of good things going on, and it just <laughs> I, I thought I wanted better because of the people I surrounded myself around. I probably surrounded myself around players or people that got money, the, the high value men who who women think they want. And, you know, so it's like I'm, I'm around these people. I see how people operate and I feel like that's how I had to operate. So do you feel like today when you hit your pinnacle of success, because we still are striving to reach that point, is not to say that you've already reached it and you won't go higher. So when right. once you reach that pinnacle of success and because you've been through all of the things that you've gone through, do you feel like you will be able to maintain this new level of character that you've developed because of what you went through? Or do you think it's possible that you could revert back to that lifestyle? My, my goal is not to. Let's just put it like that. Sometimes life hits you and you just don't know what you would do. That's why people relapse and they go what they go through. Only thing yeah. I can say is I'm going to continue to pray. And I pray God keep me on a straight path and not on the path of those who went astray. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, just, I'm a realist. Yeah. Life can hit you tomorrow and you end up doing something that you never thought you would do. Especially when you got kids. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just pray God keep me on the right path. There's another section in your book where you talk about um, where you met Mystical for the first time <laughs> when he was when he was coming out of the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And one of the things that I kind of admired in reading this part was when he finally agreed to do a hook for you and you weren't satisfied. Y'all were like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. this ain't going this ain't going to fly. Nah. Was that hard for you? Because sometimes when we idolize a person or we're like, oh my God, like I'm actually able to work with this person, we just accept whatever they give us because we're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm working with this person. But mm-hmm. how did you, or was it even a, a question of you being like, yeah, no, like this ain't it. Like we, I need better. I mean, if I me telling the truth going to offend you, that's your problem. <laughs> No, 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 I'm talking about, oh. I'm talking about in general. <laughs> okay, if me telling it. you the truth is going to offend you, that's your problem. That don't got nothing to do with me. That's how I feel, especially when I'm spending my money. If I'm, if I'm going to Burger King, whatever, I'm going to get something to eat at, and they do something wrong with my food, and I don't like it, it's not up to part. I'm going to tell you, hold on now, this ain't right. We got to fix this. You right. see what I'm saying? So not trying to lower him like he's nothing, but I just felt like my money meant more than who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work hard for this. <laughs> for real. I love that as much as you have this affinity for women, I feel like there was always this desire for family. Yeah, because that's something I have. I mean, like I say, I had to go through a phase of just trying to be. I didn't even know what I was trying to be. I just wanted to be successful in some sort of way because I was already living in poverty. So no matter what I did, I just wanted to be successful. I just so happened to be doing the music. The music was something I started believing in as well, but I always lacked money. So I knew that was main in trying to pursue this music is having money. So I had to do whatever it took, you know. And I always, although that I always wanted, because I was I was raised by a mother, you know, just like y'all, the ones who was manifesting family. So that's all she preached to me. It's naturally instilled on my end because I ain't had it. I ain't have nothing but a mind. So I I, I grabbed more of her emotions more than anything. You know, so but you uh, didn't respect the relationship that you did have. 
You were still you in the streets. What relationship? What, what part you talking about? With the the one that you had the two babies with. Nah, the nah, first nah. Because I because I needed money. I seen I need I needed money more than anything. And then, like I say, remember what I said earlier? I said sometimes you might see something that somebody do, and it might just turn you off for even thinking like that. I might have that mindset of saying, hey, you know what? I want to be this type of person. But as soon as a person ain't doing their job, then guess what? You, you going back to what you know. Man, man this ain't real. I got to be a boy, man. I'm a boy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a girl. She ain't going to understand. She don't know about, you know? So mm-hmm. that's what I had reverted back to. You had a uh a certain stint in your life where you um were heavily on drugs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. How did you overcome that and was it pain that you were trying to silence but like yeah. it was cocaine, it was it was a lot of different things that you were dibbling in. Yeah. Why one did you decide like okay, this just about to be my life, but then also how did you kind of get yourself out of that i think more especially like with the cocaine it was more people doing stuff to me they kind of like forced me out of it because i don't even think i was done living you know it was it it was the drugs that had you numb and had you feeling like this is the way to live and you had the people around you that do the same thing so it's like and you got money so it's like all that coincide with a good time i think it was somebody doing something to me putting something in you know, into the stuff I was delving in to tell me, like, nah, I ain't messing around with this no more. I could have died. I almost went, now I got to take the, another drug now, and now I'm addicted to this one. I got all the type of problems. But how I over, overcame it, I, I ended up, I went to jail. I went oh, to jail. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even stop de- doing it if I went over went to jail. So that was like an instant rehab. Yeah, that was like, that, that That woke me up to me being able to identify myself. Like, dude, what is you doing? This ain't, like, wait, what is you doing, man? So I had to shake myself back. I love it. You guys, you are tuned into The Devil is a Lie. We have Mr. Lil Hood talking to us about his book, Not Guilty. And now we are going to go into kind of our last segment, which is our Devil is a Lie moment. Now, this is where I would love for you to share like a time that you felt insecure or inadequate or like being faced with a situation that you didn't know how you were going to overcome. So if you could share what that situation was, how you overcame it, and then what was waiting for you on the other side. So I ended up in 2017, I ended up going to jail. I was middle school co-defendant. The first beginning part of the, the situation, I thought, well, I always knew overall that I was coming home, but I was at that stage to where I felt like I was beat down at a point. And when I overcame it, what was waiting on me was some, one of some of the best things that a person could ever have in their life. First and foremost, my beautiful wife, my beautiful children. You remember, I ended up self-publishing a book. It's called Not Guilty. It's doing real good right now. And you can purchase it on Amazon, Kindle. And I'm doing this beautiful interview to be able to speak on a beautiful platform that speaks on everything that I believe in. Cause I believe the devil is a lie. And now it's time to expose. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, what about like before jail? 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, did you ever have any moments? Because, like, earlier I asked you about, like, did you have remorse about what you did to your friend? We talked about, like, you know, your, well, we didn't really talk about it, but, like, you know, even when you were younger, the, the kid that got shot and killed um, and the retaliation, the back and forth, all of this violence that you have dealt with throughout the trajectory of your life. Like, was there even a time before what happened with Mystical? Because I feel like, that's why people want to buy the book. They they want to hear yeah. the story of what happened with that. Exactly. And y'all are definitely going to get that in the book. But I intentionally shied away from that because that's what we already know is there. But I want people to get an opportunity to know you. And right. like, because I do think that you have a very survival mode. Right. Um, and very gifted and talented. But... I don't know how many people really understand and have seen that side outside of what you were doing previously. Right. And the lifestyle that you were living previously. Before that. Exactly. So like, was there ever a time like in that space in your life that you were just like, yo, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I choosing this lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, but it all boils down to jail. It's always jail. It's always it's always a, and it's sad it had to be jail for us, because it's always a time whenever you're gonna have the most time for to yourself when you ain't got no distractions, you ain't got no type of people influencing you to feel no type of way. The only thing you got is you and your thoughts. You see what I'm saying? So that that specific time when you got to yourself to be in sync and one with yourself. That's when you make the best decision and realize who you are and what you need to change about yourself. And I hate to say it's always jail for us, but that's, you know, what I, my, my previous charges when my homeboy, he ended up getting killed and he got killed right in front of me. He was in the military by a police officer. This was way before Mr. And I ended up going to jail. I think I was in there for like two, what, three and a half months or whatever like that at the time. And they coerced me into saying something to where the police would get off and I had to get probation. Just a lot of craziness but it, it has a lot to do with me just being young and you know and not not knowing not having a support system that that i needed at the time i'm, I'm out here by myself and i don't want to take too much from the book i want i want people to dive into it it's definitely an interesting story mm-hmm. i don't want to say you know what i'm saying take from it but right it, yeah i had multiple times like that to where I, I i questioned myself but it all boils down to me being somewhere where i had to be be alone and in sync with myself. Isolated. Yeah, I, you know, I, isolated to the point I can't, like, not even talking to homeboys, not even the people that's in there. Just it's just me, you know. And, uh, sometimes you need that, but you don't, 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 ha- don't get it through jail. There's other ways we can get it, you know. We just need we we gotta get it forced on us though. We don't like to be alone. We we gotta we we have to be, be alone too much. We like. I wonder what I wonder what Joe doing. Let me text. Let me see what you see. What I'm saying we don't we don't want to be alone. Sometimes you got to turn Man. your phone off and just see who you are truly. I'm telling you, that's who you are gonna know who you is and and be able to identify yourself the way you want to. That was a whole word. For sure, that was a whole word there. Now, what's next for Lil Hood? I'm gonna continue to push this story. Like I said, I can't speak on nothing else but with my situation. So I'm gonna continue to push this story. I'm, I'm gonna get. I got a doc series in the making. And um, we're gonna we're gonna get some albums and everything. Out, I'm doing a lot of writing for people. I'm gonna continue to take care of my family. You know, family first, guy first, family first. 
Well, I feel like this was such a powerful and enlightening conversation. So thank you for your honesty and your transparency. Absolutely. I appreciate you. I appreciate your question, your critical questions. And I, man, I I hope I can come back too when we can talk other conversations, you know what I'm saying? Discussions that can help other people be able to betterly understand somebody like myself and how I was raised and why I did the things we did. Absolutely. I would love that. I would love that. And you probably need your own show too. So you can have that own voice to project and speak to the people who understand your world and introduce other people who don't understand it so that it can help everybody kind of kind of live in unity. Like where your people, they gon' they get it. They understand, you know, the street life. But then somebody like me who's been sheltered and didn't have to go through that. It's enlightening for a, us. Don't laugh at nah, me. Nah, I, was, <laughs> I was it's nothing wrong with that because I salute you for it and this something that we all, everybody got a struggle, no matter what you shelter to, you got your own struggle. Absolutely. And guess what I believe? I believe that your battle is always going to be according to your weight class. So if you're a heavyweight fighter, you're going to have a heavyweight fight. Just because your heavyweight fight going to be different from mine's and whatever, it don't matter. It ain't going to mean it ain't a heavyweight fight. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right. And so for you at home, I hope that y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Um, I would love for you to share your thoughts um, around the podcast and share a review about how you thought this episode went. Um, And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at The Angel Nicole. That's T-H-E-E Angel Nicole. And be sure to follow Alive at Alive Podcast Network. The Devil is a Lie is a production of the Alive Podcast Network, engineered by Julio Gonzalez of Zymer.co, and music is provided by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform or check us out online where you can see the lineup of other podcasts at AlivePodcastNetwork.com. While you're there, you can also express interest in joining the Alive Podcast Network family. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. And remember, there's greatness within you. And if anyone tells you any different, the devil is a lie. Until next time, be blessed. The devil is a lie.